0: Okay, now, uh, we come to the consummation, okay, of this. And uh, I want to try to go through these verses pretty fast, okay, so you can see where uh, the beginning with Nimrod through all of its development uh, and how we bring it right down to the end of this age and what happens to Babylon the Great at the end of this age. Okay. First of all, I want y'all to realize this. Okay, now give me your attention, real carefully. Okay, you ready? Uh, in the Bible, there it's like this. There are there are two Babylon's, just like the cover of that book says, two Babylon's. But these two Babylon's here, what he's talking about is the beginning of Babylon. This is this is uh, Babel. Okay. And then he comes down to uh, Babylon, which is uh, just like it says there—the you know the papal worship. Okay, this is this is Thyatira. Okay, <coughs> however. Uh, <coughs> This splits Babylon. This is literal Babylon. This is the fulfillment of that. So in a sense, that's one and two, just like that book says. But Babylon also has two branches. So there are two Babylons this direction, too. One is what we call material Babylon. This is in Revelation. We'll see this right now. This is not the main emphasis, but it is there, and I'll I'll point it out. The main emphasis is religious Babylon, okay? And uh, this is mainly what Revelation 17 deals with uh, and 18, 18 deals with both of them. 17 is nearly, totally uh, religious Babylon, mystery. If it has mystery, then that's not material. See, mystery is a religious thing. So it's mystery Babylon the great, okay? Okay, now, uh, if you'll just follow along in verse, uh, verse 1, all of chapter 17, then verse 1 through 6 of chapter 18 should take us with the consummation. Okay, now, the key words in here are two. There's a woman, okay, and a beast. Remember this, a woman and a beast. The woman represents one thing, and the beast represents another thing. So, keep this clear. If you don't Take it verse by verse and stick with me. You will be so lost in these verses. You will, you, you'll go into a, a, a wilderness that you'll never come out of. Okay? So you got to hang in here. Okay. Verse 1 uh, says, And one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me. That's John saying he spoke with me. And the seven bowls uh, were the seven last plagues. So, uh, right here, we're at a point, a juncture in time, where the great tribulation has not yet started because the seven last bowls have not been poured out. Okay, so we're right at that juncture, right before the last three and a half years, which is known as the great tribulation. Okay, before the Lord comes back. Okay. "...and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I will show you the judgment." of the great prostitute who sits on many waters. So here we've had a big change. The woman that we've talked about up till now has uh, received a, a term or a name in her and, and the Bible. I mean, this is God's word, says that this person is a prostitute. Okay, What does this mean? Uh, a prostitute of course uh, uh, in you know modern terminology means somebody has a, 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 an illegitimate relationship it's an illegal or illegitimate relationship with another person ok so it's a prostitute uh, the emphasis here you see God is saying something here he's saying that this woman has no husband ok You see, the husband, the church is the bride of Christ. And Paul says he espoused us to one husband. That's Christ. Okay. But here God is saying that this woman has no relationship with me. You see, she's a prostitute. She's not a wife. And we're the bride of Christ, you see. We're He's our husband. He's our head. So we have a, a relationship. Uh, Philadelphia is one with God, one with Christ. But here, the Lord will not acknowledge any relationship. So you see the depravity yeah. of the situation. This is why He uses such strong language. Okay, remember, this is not even like the other scriptures are written. You know, the other scriptures are written by Peter, Paul. Think they use their own words. Under the inspiration of the Spirit, this is a vision. The Lord says, "What you see, write in a book." He's just. This is not John's uh, thinking. You see, he's he's writing down exactly what he saw. You see, Uh, and in this case, the angel said, "Come here." (laughs) the angel says come here I will show you and this is the angel's words the ju- judgment of the great prostitute who sits on many waters yeah. and again uh, of course we know the world is just composed of land sitting on many waters uh, there's only one religious system that fits the definition of sitting on many waters yeah. and that's, that's the church of Rome right. it is the world church ok it sits on many waters yeah. I think everybody will agree with that Okay, uh, verse two. With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and I got into this previously how uh, they, you might say, the the papacy really established this kind of diplomatic relationship with the kings of the earth. It still does that today, uh, though the authority of it is is waned uh, tremendously. I mean. No country is under the, you know, the authority of the papacy like that. But the history of it was that the kings of the earth had an illegal union. You see, the church was never to be involved in the political affairs of this of this age, and so this was a kind of a fornication, an illegal union between the things of God and the things of earth. Okay. Uh, also you might you might say see this is the prostitute here uh, the, the prostitute the prostitute is there uh, doing things uh, uh, illegitimately and morally for profit there's a profit involved again you see the uh, the woman here uh, that, it says, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. There was a great prophet involved. They got a lot of riches, a lot of things were received from this illegal union with the uh, politics and religion. Do you follow me? Okay. And they who dwell on the earth... Have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. You see, here is not the kings, but it's the people—they who are on the earth. So uh, it doesn't say that they—it doesn't say that they uh, uh, committed fornication, but they say they were drunk with the wine mm-hmm. of her fornication. And the wine here, uh, uh, nearly all the people interpret this as being the doctrines or the teachings. Mm. This represents the wine, just like uh, in the New Testament, the new wine represents the dispensation of the Spirit for our enjoyment. Here, the wine represents the uh, doctrine and the teachings. Okay, what does this mean? They, that they've been made drunk. Okay, this means they've been put into a stupor. Okay, they're they're absolutely confounded. They're stuporized. Okay. They, in other words, they're confused. They don't know what this is. The today situation. You see, you, you, the 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 level of frustration is fantastically high. What to do? I don't know. The church says this. The church says that. But I, I just don't, I don't have. I don't want to do this. Or it doesn't seem logical. I don't have the strength. I don't have the power. Uh, why does it say this? I don't understand. I mean, uh, this is all the drunk. Uh, the drunkenness that has confounded them. What is this? This is the wine, okay, of her fornication. <clears throat> and the fornication originally goes back with the illegal union between the pagan things that were mixed in with the holy things. And so this produced a, a, a funny doctrinal uh, paradigm that that uh, uh, confused and... In, in, uh, I, I, the word drunk is the Bible word, I guess I guess it'd be hard to go beyond that. Number three, and he carried me away in spirit. Thank the Lord that John got in spirit. Amen. So he got in spirit, so he was okay, but it says he carried me away into a wilderness. And John was carried away in the book of Revelation, at least what four times, to see four big visions and this is one of those big visions okay uh, usually he was carried onto a mountaintop this means he was carried up to see things from a heavenly perspective okay but here John was carried into a wilderness to see what babylon the great that's right and this means a wilderness is a des- is a place of desolation it's a place of uh, it's a desert this means there's no water, no springs of water, none of the things that Revelation says are a blessing to God's people. This means the church here is depicted as being in a place that has no life supply with God whatsoever. It is in a is in a it's in a place of a of a, a desolate wilderness. Okay? That's where it resides. It is not near the springs of living water. It's near It's in the middle of a a desolate place, okay? And I saw a woman. This woman is the prostitute, the great prostitute, excuse me, in verse 1. This is the woman, okay? So stick with me here. He said, I saw a woman, and this woman is sitting on a scarlet beast. So you have the woman and the beast, okay? These you have to get clear about to know what this chapter says. And they were (laughs) sitting on a scarlet beast full of names of blasphemy and having seven heads and ten horns. Okay? We'll try to sort this out. First of all, the woman is the great prostitute, is Jezebel, is the the world church, which is the Roman church. Okay? Uh, Then... This woman is riding, she's sitting on uh, an animal. This animal is a beast, okay? The beast is the Antichrist, mostly. And occasionally, as in this particular context, it can also represent the Roman Empire. Why is that? It's because the Antichrist, when he comes into power, ultimately, he will establish himself a kingdom of ten nations, And this ten nations will be uh, what we could call the revived or resuscitated Roman Empire. That will be the kingdom of the Antichrist. And his administrative headquarters will be Rome. Okay? So, (laughs) uh, when we talk about the Antichrist, it's very much connected. These two... Collaborate in the end days. Believe it or not, this woman, who is the great prostitute, and the beast are are in collaboration because you see her riding on the beast. They're working together. Okay. So he's he uh, the Antichrist is really uh, to get power. He has to he has to diplomatically be chums with certain certain people. You see, so one of the chums is Roman Catholic Church. That's a lot, represents a lot of the earth. Uh, Another one of the chums is the nation of Israel. He gets chummy with them, right? Has a good covenant with them. He'll do a lot of things. Okay? So right here, they're working together and so he's he's gaining in power uh, significantly. Okay. uh, The beast is uh, not just a beast, but a scarlet beast. And right away I should mention the word scarlet here uh, shows that this beast is evil, okay, because the word scarlet is used. Scarlet is, uh, you know, a kind of a deep red, or you might call it a bright red. Anyway, it's a it's, uh, heavy red. Uh, yeah, cardinal red. Uh <laughs> And scarlet basically means sinful. Uh, We base this on Isaiah, the verse in Isaiah that says, Though your sins be be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. So uh, scarlet here uh, shows this beast is quite evil. Okay. And this beast, the comma, uh, the next phrase does not refer to woman but refers to beast. The beast is full of names of blasphemy. Having seven heads and ten horns. The names of blasphemy are mostly uh, referring to the, uh, in the Roman Empire, the Caesars that came into power, as we mentioned, they became priests, kings, king priests, and nearly all of them eventually took the status of being a deity, okay, of being a god. And this was a top blasphemy to God. So the beast is full of names of blasphemy. Okay? Meaning the Roman Empire was full of names of blasphemy. <clears throat> okay, then you have the seven uh, heads and ten horns which we'll get to in a minute. Now, verse 8, you got to really hang in here. The beast, this is the Antichrist, whom you saw was and is not and is about to come up out of the abyss and go into destruction. And they who dwell on the earth, whose names have not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life, shall marvel when they see the beast, how that he was and is not and shall be present. Is that all clear? Okay. Okay, follow this now. In verse 8, we're talking about the Antichrist, okay? That's the beast. Now the beast here in this verse and I'll show you, it'll be more clear in a minute, but just take this much mm-hmm. the fifth Roman Caesar was Nero, the fifth one okay that's who we're talking about here, fundamentally speaking, now the Antichrist is not, is not the fifth one but it's the, he's the seventh one okay follow me Okay, he's not the fifth one, but he's the seventh one. But here he talks about the fifth one. Why is that? Okay, Caesar Nero is the fifth Roman Caesar, okay? And he's the one who was the most evil one, right? That did all the heavy-duty persecution, under whose reign Paul was imprisoned and persecuted, okay? Now, it says here, "...the beast whom you saw was..." okay? By the time that John wrote Revelation, he was the last apostle to live, right? By that time, Nero already had died. Okay, so he was. And then it says, and is not. So he's gone. Okay? Then it says, and is about to come up. Okay, what does this mean? Revelations reveals that Nero... That uh, Nero was the uh, the essence of Nero is the essence of the Antichrist. So the spirit of Caesar Nero was put into the abyss, okay? And that spirit stayed there after Nero died. and this spirit will come up out of the abyss, and this spirit will come into a person called <laughs> the beast. And this will turn him from, uh, you know, just a common evil human being into a supernatural, extraordinary Mm -hmm. human being. Okay? Got me? Okay, so, uh, who, who you saw was and is not, and is about to come up out of the abyss and go into destruction. Now, of course, we know the final end of the Antichrist, when the Lord comes back, He slays him with the breath of His mouth, and so that is his going into destruction. Okay? And that's why, uh, then, of course, you know, the rest of the verse is easy to understand. And they marvel when they see the beast. Why do they marvel when they see the beast? That because how that he was, and is not, and shall be present. Okay. That doesn't make sense unless you understand this one simple thing. According to Revelation 13, you get a little history of the beast. The beast comes on the scene and he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a regular human being. Okay? Though he's, his intentions are no, you know very evil, he's, he's still a regular human being. Okay, he is killed. He's slain. Right. And he lays even in the midst of the public eye for a period of time. After a period of time, it's at that point that the spirit of Caesar Nero comes out of the abyss, goes into the slain uh, Antichrist, and he revives. In other words, he's resurrected by the spirit of Caesar Nero. And at that point, he's revived. So you see, he has two lives. He has his life before he was slain, and he has his life that he's resurrected when the spirit of Caesar Nero comes in. Now, think about it. Can you imagine what the world will think of a, this person, really. who not only has such great power, but even has the power to die really. and be resurrected? You see, yeah. what kind of what kind of uh, right. what kind of shock? What kind of a yeah. prevailing thing mm-hmm. is going to uh, sweep over, uh, especially that part of the world? Really. Under in that are in desperate circumstances. Yeah. This guy is going to be. Yeah. The see the uh, anti-savior of the world. You follow? I'm saying he's gonna he's going to be able to give promises. And uh, how do you argue with somebody that got resurrected right yeah. there in the in the middle of the street? See, I mean, this guy, this is this is a an evil counterfeit, but it's also very miraculous. Okay? That's why it says at the, end of, at the end of verse 8, the beast, how that he was and is not, and then it says, and shall be present. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, verse 9, uh, we switch from the beast to the woman. Okay? Now, we're, we're going back to the woman who is religious Babylon. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains... ...on which the woman sits. Okay? Do you follow me? Okay. The woman sits on seven mountains. The beast had seven heads, and she was sitting on the beast, which was a picture of the woman sitting on seven mountains. The woman is the Roman church, and the Roman church is sitting on seven mountains. Okay, there is only one city on planet Earth that is historically known as the city of seven hills. Wow! Which is, what city is that? Rome. Rome. Everybody knows that's the city of seven hills. Okay, so this shows uh, the the strong connection. Okay. <clears throat> now the the seven the seven horns are seven hills that the woman sits on. But it's not only seven hills. There's the seven horns represent two things. The next verse says starts with and. Okay? Are seven kings. Okay? You got it? Okay. There are seven kings. Five have fallen. One is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain a little while. You got it? Okay. Follow me carefully. And our seven kings. These kings are the seven uh, Caesars. Okay? Five have fallen. Okay, it doesn't say five are dead. It says have fallen. Does that imply something to you? You see? In other words, yeah, they were overcome. These first five Caesars all died supernaturally. They either were assassinated or they committed suicide? They fell. They, you see, it's it's something here more than they just died of natural death. They have fallen. Okay, uh, <clears throat> five have fallen, and that the first one was, you know, Julius Caesar, and the the second one was Tiberius, the third one was Caligula, the fourth one was Claudius, uh, then the fifth one was Nero. Okay, then at that time, the sixth one, the next one says, one is. So at the time of John's writing, one is. Who is that? That's Domitian. Okay, that's the one who is. Okay, and the other has not yet come. Number seven has not yet come. Who is number seven? Well, it's not the next Caesar in historical order but it's the next Caesar in spiritual order, and the next Caesar in, in, in the spiritual order will be the Antichrist okay, so in God's view after the, after the Caesar that is living at the time that John is writing this book uh, in God's point of view the next one uh, who will be the king will be the Antichrist so he just wipes, in his mind the rest of them are just wiped out and of no significance. <clears throat> the other one has not yet come, and when he comes, he must remain a little while. Okay? Then it says, and the beast who was, that's Antichrist, that's, and what number is Antichrist? Seven, seven, okay. That's right, he's seven. Now follow carefully. And the beast who was, that's number seven, and is not because he's slain. He is also the eighth and is of the seven and goes into destruction. Lord Jesus. See, this is worse than figuring out black holes, isn't it? Okay, just listen to this. (coughs) Okay sorry okay the beast who was this is the Antichrist and is not he gets killed he is also the eighth why is he the eighth because he was the seventh before he got killed yeah. so he died and so when he was when he was resuscitated that made him number eight right but but because he's number but because he's a he's a combination of number 7's body and number five spirit exactly. he is of the 7 Right. so he's number 8 but he is of the 7 does that make sense or do I yes. need to do it again yes.
1: got
0: it very ok and again it says goes in destruction because that is the result when the Lord comes back and the 10 horns uh, now we're, we're uh, getting away uh, from the seven going to the ten horns, which you saw are ten kings, okay who have not yet received the kingdom but received authority as kings one hour with the beast, okay these ten horns uh, are are ten kings. this kingdom is what I mentioned earlier. this is the kingdom of the Antichrist, which uh, historically we would say is the uh, final Roman Empire that is uh, ruled over collectively by the Antichrist, the beast. Okay? It's okay to use the word Antichrist. We all use it. Actually, that's not in the Bible. uh, But the word beast is. The word Antichrist is in 1 John, and it doesn't say the Antichrist, but there it says many Antichrists. So, this Antichrist is just a spirit that is against Christ, right? will not confess Christ. So, whether that's the best word or not, anyway, at least Revelation says he's a beast. So, he's not a good guy, right? (laughs) Okay. Uh, Our ten kings, and they have not yet received a kingdom. You see, this is the thing, is these these ten guys... Are not in power. Right. They are not in power. But it says here, very unusually, it says, uh, "But receive authority as kings one hour That's right. with the beast." Right. So this this infers that right there at the end, these king these ten kingdoms uh, suddenly, you know, it says within one hour very, very suddenly, almost miraculously, are raised up and come into the, under the authority of these ten kings, okay, with the beast. So maybe you can infer here that the beast has set his uh, puppets into, uh, into power. And this has to do in the area of Europe, you see, around the Mediterranean. And, of course, everybody knows from the events going on today uh, how destabilized the whole European area has become. All the, uh, the Iron Curtain is down. Uh, so many places are struggling towards democracy, but they're having tremendous struggles and we have all the kingdoms of Western Europe and of Eastern Europe, uh, the the Antichrist will really have a field day there. We can't say for sure, of course, what kingdoms those are, but no doubt they will be very desperate na- nations uh, looking for a kind of a messianic rescue. And they'll get it. You see, they'll get it. Okay. Okay. Uh, wh- where are we? 13, okay, then they, yeah, one hour with the beast, okay, these have one mind, and see right here in verse 13, this is the key, they give their power and authority to the beast, so here is the formation of his kingdom, uh, so maybe, maybe he put them into power, I don't know, but anyway, they eventually allow him to have sovereign rule over all these ten kingdoms, and so this becomes his commonwealth, his kingdom, yeah. okay and they have one mind, and the Antichrist gets the power and authority over the whole shebang. They become his army, because verse 14 says, "...these shall make war with the Lamb." They make war with the Lamb. This this occur, this is Armageddon, okay? The battle between the armies of the Antichrist and the Lamb uh, occurs at Armageddon. All the fighting goes on and on and on at Armageddon, and finally... The uh, the Lamb and His army come out of the heavens, and uh, this is where they make war with the Lamb. Okay, and the Lamb shall overcome them. Amen. 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 I wonder, saints, do y'all really, do y'all really anticipate being in that army, coming out of the, out of the, uh, out from Mount Zion, coming down to uh, slay the armies of the Antichrist. The overcomers will be in that army. Amen. Can, can you feature yourself there? <laughs> it's a sobering thing. The Bible is a sobering thing. These, especially these last days are a sobering time. And the Lamb shall overcome them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they who are with Him are called... Number one and chosen, number two and faithful, number three. If they were just called, that would include all Christians. But chosen here doesn't mean chosen to be to be saved. Here means chosen because of being faithful. You know, in uh, Matthew it says many are called but few are chosen. This is this is what this refers to here. Called is one thing, you see, but chosen means you you are faithful. Mm-hmm. See, that's the next word. Called and chosen and faithful, so it's not just if you tell me every Christian's been faithful, that's a lie. Right. You know that everybody knows that. Everybody knows many people who are are genuine Christians are not faithful. Mm-hmm. They're not faithful to their calling. Okay, so they, there's a failure there. See, then then if all Christians just automatically go to be with the Lord, then how can you say that they're here when the, when they're described as being faithful? Right. See, so something else happens to these Christians, and they don't, they're still Christians, and they will be with the Lord for eternity, yeah. but they do miss out on this part yeah. of the action.
1: Okay,
0: yeah. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's, right. that's fair. That's fair to interpret that. Yeah, yeah. They're not lost, but neither are they rewarded right. for this period of time. That's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fifteen, And he said to me, The waters which you saw where the prostitute sits are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. Can it fit anything except the Roman church? It doesn't fit anything else. Okay. 16. And the ten horns which you saw and the beast, these shall hate the prostitute and shall make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and shall burn her utterly with fire. You have to realize right here, a massive abrupt change occurred. The Antichrist, who was the beast that the woman was riding on, she was using the beast for her purposes, but she didn't realize that the beast was using her for its purposes. And so... Uh, there was a collaboration going together, both of them obviously for, self, for uh, self-interest, first, self right? But when the beast, it came to a point, you see, right here it comes to a certain point, and the beast, uh, which had benefited by the woman up to a certain point, now is ready to put down all worship of God. So he starts with the most obvious manifestation of that, which is the Roman church. So right here, before I would say this should be right before, uh, in, in concomitant with the time that he breaks his covenant with Israel, he turns the beast that is carrying the woman turns and devours the woman. You see, uh, in the words that the scripture use here, uh, what, what verse are we on? 16. Sixteen. It says, "Make her desolate and naked." That's an exposure, and shall eat her flesh, and shall burn her utterly with fire. Uh, I, I would say this. Most people, and I don't see how you can get around it. Uh, the ones that are, you know, in that religious realm, and so forth, and are they will be at that time killed. Okay, that is a. Uh, don't don't confuse that slaying with a martyrdom. Right. Even more than you would confuse somebody fighting in uh, yeah, right. in Iraq as a martyrdom. That's not just because they got killed for their for sure. beliefs. That's not a martyrdom, okay? Because they're not dying uh, for the testimony of Jesus. Okay. Uh, and she'll be burned utterly with fire. That that's. Uh, I think everybody would agree that this is when, at, at this point, the Vatican, in all that it pertains to, will utterly be uh, <laughs> torched out. <laughs> okay, The Antichrist will just destroy it. Of course, I'm sure he'll rob it first, but he'll destroy yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Then, very unusual, verse 17 says... The reason for this, and that's the beast and the woman having this collision, destroying the woman, is that God has put it into their mind, their hearts to do His mind. <laughs> it's almost like God's not going to touch Babylon the Great directly. He, he won't even touch it. He has the beast do it for him. And, he, and so it's put into the mind of the beast to destroy this false religious system. It's kind of like, God can do this. You know, he stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, and told the Jews to go back. You see, Cyrus wasn't a believer in the true God, but God stirred him up anyway. You see, this is some miraculous thing. God put it in their mind to do this. Okay? So anyway, for whatever reasons that uh, we'll know clearly in the next stage and just uh, dimly now the beast destroys the prostitute Uh, and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God shall be accomplished Okay. so now Babylon uh, which is mystery Babylon the great Uh, has been dealt with. Okay, now, let me go up to the verses that I skipped. Which ones were they? Should be. Four and
1: five. Okay, now. Okay.
0: uh, I think you can follow all this easily now. And the woman... And the woman was clothed... Now, this is why she's still on the earth, okay? The woman was clothed in purple and scarlet and gilded with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the unclean things of her fornication. Okay? Uh, The woman here is characterized by two colors. Now, we already covered what scarlet meant, right? And... Uh, that's that's a sinful that's a sinful thing, right? Scarlet represents sin. But the other very interesting thing is that in the Roman Church there is one predominant color, which is what? No, it's not purple. That's that's not right. Yeah, it's scarlet. It's it's not just red. It's scarlet. You see, all the cardinals, all the archbishops, you you will see that the dominant color on their on their dress is scarlet. Okay, it's scarlet. If, if you've never seen a... Maybe maybe you haven't seen enough pictures or things. Uh, get out some old National Geographic and watch a high mass at St. Peter's Basilica or something. You'll see scarlet there. It's just scarlet. I mean, there are other colors, but there's only one common color, and that's scarlet. Okay? Uh, but she's also arrayed... She also is clothed in purple. Purple is kind of uh you know it's it's uh kind of maroonish purple and so forth purple represents dignity in the bible it represents royalty dignity uh, and it does on earth as well you know to to have a purple robe is a a royal thing right so you see here here the Roman church assumes a dignity there's much dignity if you ever see the Roman church in in all of its processions, it's so it's so dignified, dignified. it's just it's, it's utterly uh, stilted and dignified in in, in in that kind of realm, okay? Uh, but the thing, the thing is, you have to consider a little bit, do, do you know uh, the pur- purple is not a natural color, okay? It's not one of the original colors, okay? Purple comes from a blend of two colors. That's red and blue. You mix red and blue. You see, red represents the sinful things of the earth and blue represents the holy things from the heavens. You put these two together and you get the Roman church. See, Purple. Blue represents the heavenly things and red represents the sinful earthly things producing purple. Okay. Uh, And then it says gilded with gold, precious stone, and pearls. Gold and precious stone and pearls are the very materials that the New Jerusalem are built out of. So here, you see again the counterfeit, the substitute, because it's not these stones, They are, it's the materials are gilded. This means there's only an outward enamoring of these things, right? It's kind of like we call gold-plated, right? This is a gilding. This means the on the inside... Uh, it's made out of something else. This is the characteristic of the Roman church. It's all... It's a facade. It's all outward. When you get behind the scenes, you see the real condition of its, of its uh, depravity. Okay? There's not... There's nothing there of God. Okay? <clears throat> okay, yeah. Uh, having in her hand a golden cup. Again, g- a goal represents... Something of God, the nature of God. See, gold in the Bible is very positive, representing God. So there's a golden cup here. But uh, the problem is, is what's in the cup, you see? Again, uh, uh, a cup is to contain something. So what's more important, the cup or the content? Yeah, the content, you see? So here, again, it's a facade. The cup is here so there's it has an appearance of something of god but inside the cup it says full of abominations and this of course relates to idolatry and pagan things and unclean things of her fornication and as we mentioned how the fornication here is the unholy union between the idolatrous pagan things and the holy things of god if you give if you grasp that then these verses make sense and on and upon her forehead was a was written Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of the prostitutes and the abominations of the earth. Okay, you see, mystery. This is how we know it's religious Babylon. This is not. If it's a mystery, I'll tell you the truth, the whole thing is. You, you ask any a good Catholic today, why do you do this? What what's the meaning of this? Where did this come from? They, they would just say, I I, I just don't know. I, I don't. They don't know. You see, it's a mystery. Why do Why do we do this? I don't. It's a mystery to me. It's It's deep. It's profound. Why? Because no one can. No one knows the source. That's what I'm trying to talk about. It's not like it. it, it it's It's mysterious in In that no one knows the real source of things. It's a mystery. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, so this is a golden cup full of abomination unclean things then the mystery Babylon the great and then it says here very interestingly Babylon the great and as we said this is the development from Genesis where it was just Babel or Babel all the way to Babylon the great you see Uh, uh, the Bible is a book of development just like Satan develops from a very little uh, thing, serpent there in the beginning to into the great red dragon in chapter 13, right? Uh, everything is a development. The seed sown in Genesis always is very small. You know, in Genesis you have uh, your first sign of redemption, right? Because uh, Adam slayed the animal to get the skins to cover their nakedness, you see. Uh, The skins, this meant the animal was slain. This was a sacrifice, uh, an animal sacrifice that that was a figure of the sacrifice Christ made to come. So this represented redemption, you see. But it's just a little bitty seed. But by the time you get to the end of the Bible, you have this huge picture of Christ being the unique sacrifice to God for the sins of the the whole world, right? So there's a big development. Everything goes from small and it develops to big. You see, here is the development of mystery. Babylon the great, okay? But then it says, uh, so far it's called her the prostitute, even the great prostitute, but here it switches and it calls her the mother of the prostitutes. So we have a new concept introduced, uh, introduced. The mother of the prostitutes and the abominations of the earth. What are we talking about here? Okay, the woman who is the great prostitute is the mother. The great prostitute is the mother. Mm-hmm. Then who are the who are the prostitutes plural? Mm-hmm. This is this has caused so many endless debates that it is unbelievable. Okay? You know why? <laughs> no one wants to admit That's that right. they they might be in that category of of the daughters. See, so this is the mother. <coughs> the mother of the prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. What are the prostitutes? See. If you ask this, okay, if it's established that the mother is the world. Roman Catholic Church. If that's established, then you have to ask, what about the daughters? Who are the daughters? Nobody like. Listen, listen, nobody likes to answer that question. That is a no-no. Okay, you'll see. You see, the next church we get into is Sardis. It's, it's a recovery or it's a, it's, a, it's a reform, a reformation going back to the Bible. You see, But the problem is, in breaking away from the Roman church, they could only break away in degree. Right. Okay? And so the things form themselves, and they became the daughters. What are the daughters? They have the essence of the mother in their being, but they are not the mother, Mm -hmm. but they have the essence of the mother in their being to some degree. Okay? Now, here's what we can say are the daughters who are also prostitutes but they are not the great prostitute they are a prosti- prostitute in degree what I- what is this these are this is any denomination religious group religious sect or religious anything and i'm talking about i'm talking about not false religion but i mean talking about the real people of god any situation Protestant, independent denominational, non-denominational interdenominational, wh- however you would label it, as long as it has certain degree or certain percent of the elements of the mother then they are a daughter what is Philadelphia? Philadelphia is the pure thing that has come out And does not have the transfer of the elements of the mother into the daughter. Got it? So you see, this takes everybody's pride away. You say, "Oh, I'm not a member of the great prostitute. Oh, I don't belong to the great prostitute. Oh, oh, that's fine. How would uh, do you feel okay being called just a regular
1: prostitute?"
0: (laughs) It's a heavy word. So you see. We have to come out. Okay. Okay. Then uh, then it says, And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints. Can you imagine this verse? The woman. The woman. Mm-hmm. This is the great prostitute. This is, this is the world church. And it says she's drunk. Not with wonderful truth. Not with the holy things of God. The blood of the saints. This refers obviously to the inquisition when so many hundreds of thousands of people were killed in the name of God you see uh, this is a real serious indictment against her and the blood of the witnesses of Jesus and John poor John I feel so sorry for John here He's hearing all this. I mean, you know, can you imagine? I mean, he sits on all the waters of great prostitute, the mother, the abomination. I mean, poor John. He's just on the island of Patmos, you know, praying. And, uh, you know, he just, all he knows is Christ. And, and he doesn't know anything else. And he's in exile. And, and uh, he doesn't have anything. And he's hearing all these elaborate, I mean, you know, massive words. What would you do if you got a revelation like this? John, right here, John says, I, I feel, I mean, you can almost feel him a little bit. Yeah right. He, he says, uh, uh, and I marvelled. <laughs> he says, I marvelled seeing her, and then he says, with great marvel. I mean, what what is this? You know, can you believe John? Do you think he could believe number one that that uh, we would be here two thousand years later, and then there would be this kind of development going on that history would throw this woman who just the Lord said put leaven into the meal that it would grow into, you know, this big tree. That was the other parable. It was just a little mustard seed. That's what John knew. But then there's a big tree that came out that all the birds could come and lodge in all the unclean things. You see? Yeah. I, I don't think John could comprehend. I think he could just marvel at, wow, let me finish this book and pass away. I, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm 90 years old. Just I'm ready to go, you know. These things are come quickly right be with the psalmist some things are too wonderful for me you know I can't comprehend it okay okay now we've covered all the verses haven't we? there okay then seven. 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 seven and the angel said to me why why did you marvel I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast who carries her who has the seven heads and the ten horns okay uh, we, we've covered that down there okay yeah. where did you get about the fifth the spirit of the spirit of the fifth that went into the seventh let's see that uh, I believe if you go let's see. Let me let me check on it, okay? I I, I don't have it on my fingertips right now. Let me let me check on it. I believe you can find... Well, I don't want to get you distracted right now. Hmm? Well, she means somewhere else. Okay. Okay, let me let me just go in here. <clears throat> uh, okay, then in chapter 18, verse 1 says... Oh, no, I haven't got the verse... Okay, verse 18. Verse 18, right now, it says, And the woman... Now, right here, the woman takes on... Uh, not, this, is, this changes, the woman changes right here from religious Babylon to material Babylon, okay? And the woman you saw, why? Is what? The great city. That's the enterprising, uh, commercial and administrative center of the Antichrist. That's the city of Rome. So that's material Babylon, which has a kingdom over the kings of the earth, okay? Now, verse 18 says this, And these things I... S- After these things I saw another angel. Now this angel is capitalized, so this is Christ. Coming down out of heaven, having great authority. And the earth was illumined with his glory. Okay, this is the second coming of Christ. He is, an angel is one sent by God. Christ was sent by God. So this is his coming and his literal parousia. Okay, this is His parousia, and He comes. And Christ's second coming has degrees to it. First of all, the Bible says He comes in the, in the clouds. That's His secret coming. He's in the clouds. Then it says He is on the cloud. This way he's, he's more visible and more public. Then He comes from that point to this point here where He comes to the earth uh, to the extent that the earth is illumined with His glory. Okay? Okay. Then, verse 2, and he cried with a strong voice, saying, This is what the Lord says Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great. Okay, what Babylon are we talking about here? For sure, the material Babylon, because the other one has already fallen, right? But it could be that he could be referring back to that one as well. In other words, now both of them are fallen, so uh, he, he could be including religious in this statement. But anyway, for sure, this finishes off the remaining part of Babylon, which, is, which represents material Babylon. Okay? Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, and she has become a dwelling place of demons and a hold of every unclean spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. This would seemingly refer to religious Babylon based on the parable of the big tree in Matthew 13. Then in verse 3, definitely you have both Babylons because it says here, for all the nations have drunk of the wine of the fury of her fornication. That's definitely religious Babylon. We've already covered that. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. That's religious Babylon. Then it says, and the merchants, this is material Babylon. Of the earth have become rich by the power of her luxury. So that's the materialistic aspect of Babylon. So that verse includes both. Then you come to verse 4, it says, I, I heard another voice out of heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. Amen. Okay. This indicates that God has people, His people. He, he puts His possession on them these are not unbelievers these are God's redeemed people but they nevertheless have, are in some way entangled in either the mother or the daughter or one of the daughters or one of the offsprings that has the elements of, of the system okay so God's word is come out of her my people Come out of her! Don't fool around! Don't reform her! Get out! Flee! Why? That you may not participate in her sins, because it says, and that you may not receive of her plagues. Get out of there, or you're playing around with fire. And I, that's that's a, a, kind of like a pun, okay? You are <laughs> you don't want to be around when the judgment comes. You don't want to participate in her sins. And you don't want to partake of her plagues, so come out of her, my people. Then, uh, finally, it says, "Finally, it says, for her sins have piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her wrongs. Pay her back as she has paid, and double to her double according to her works." See, here, here comes, here comes, four, a four dimension judgment. Fourfold judgment, double to her double. God is going to fourfold, four-dimensional <laughs> judgment. In, in Leviticus, you double the judgment. Okay, in other words, uh, the recompense. If there was a wrong to correct that, you had to double it. And here, it's double the double. So whatever wrong she's committed, fourfold. Time she has to be paid back in the cup which she has mixed, mix to her and double okay and the last one I, I, we'll just skip that, we don't need to get into that okay now uh, uh, the thing I feel a burden to talk about but I don't know when to do it or how to do it is what does it mean when it says come out of her my people and what does that mean to us practically and spiritually uh, I need about 15 minutes and, and, if, and I can do it now or I can take a little time tonight so I just ask you what you would prefer to do you want to do it now and kind of finish it off ok then let me just mention what I, what uh, are some applications ok hang in then once we leave you can just blow it all off ok the thing about Thyatira is saints uh, in, in my whole in, in, in any time I've ever spent with any young people at any time or with any or, or tried to minister anything I have never ever spent any time going into Thyatira in detail okay or to the detail we have today this is not my this is not my uh joy okay I don't, I don't like this uh, no no one can say no no one here knows me can, can you're lying if you say that this I, I, I'm a expert on this and I really like to do this or something no this is not right okay uh, I thought a lot of how how to get in a sense I wanted to detour around this tire. tire. I don't like I don't like to think about all this but on the other hand I uh, how do we know where we are if we don't know about yeah. Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia? How do we know? You see? How do we know how to follow Christ in a pure way? You see? Uh, our ministry is, is uh, the strong endeavor to minister just one thing, the riches of Christ to produce the church. That's all. We, we just don't like... We don't even like to waste the time. I feel, I feel, except that it would help you be so calibrated to just gain Christ purely, not the leaven Christ, but the unleavened Christ, purely, so that you can be the pure expression of Him, which is His body, the testimony of Jesus, uh, then we have to see the situation a little bit. You see, even right now, I, I'm not, uh, I'm fully aware in even coming here today that, uh, I, I, I got myself prepared I'm going to offend somebody I can't help it it's impossible to touch this and not offend yeah, right. you can't do it okay uh, so there may be two or three people right now that really inwardly you're really mad at me Okay. you're really mad at me right now you're just mad at me you, you, you don't like this day you don't like me you don't like the words I've said you don't like the, the way I've tried to interpret these kind of things you don't like anything I'm your I'm your enemy right now. Okay, okay. I, I'm sorry. I'm truly sorry. I have I, I, there's nothing I can do. There, I, I I'm I'm uh, totally helpless. Okay, so I might have ruined your day. I might have made you mad. I might have done a lot of things. But if you if you really take it, if you really open up, if you really uh, have the grace to get away from your subjective situation and just see God's view. If that would occur, then I'll, I'm not only not your enemy. I, I, I might I might be a uh, an avenue for you to really enter into God's full salvation. Yeah. That's the whole point. Okay. okay. So uh, uh, let's endeavor our best to see that. Uh, uh, There is uh, the reality of Satan's counterfeit, of his substitutes, of his replacements are all so real that if we do anything other than just take Christ plus nothing, then we'll be caught. Some of the leaven will get into us, you see. Or it won't get out of us if we don't take Christ plus nothing to produce and far the building up of the body of Christ. Okay. okay, that's why I would like to spend just a, a little time to say, practically speaking, when we say come out of her, what does this mean to us? Okay, first of all, to come out of her obviously would mean to come out of substitutes of Christ. The whole system developed from Babel all the way to uh, Babylon the Great, Is a system to replace Christ. Christ is to be experienced and enjoyed directly in your spirit involving your whole being, and he is not to be replaced by any mediatorial person, class, thing, object, you name it. Okay? Christ is the unique person to save us from our sins through His death. He's a unique person to regenerate us, to give us the divine life through His resurrection. He's a unique person to cause us to be transformed in our mind, emotion, and will through His indwelling. He's a unique person to glorify us in our body at His coming back. He's a unique person in the kingdom age uh, when we rule and reign with Him. And He is the center, the focus, uh, the hub of the New Jerusalem for eternity. Everything is Christ, only Christ. In God's economy, God only has one word. In His whole dictionary, God only has one word. That's Christ with one little footnote called the church. See, that's all. You <laughs> just open up the dictionary. Just right. want God just... Uh, ultimately, it all comes down to God has one thing that is acceptable to him and that's Christ. The all inclusive, all encompassing in Christ, including his person and his work. That's that's it. That's all the only dictionary, the only word in it, plus one little footnote for the church. Okay. So we have to come out of any and everything that is a replacement Even if it's one percent it's ninety nine percent Christ and it's one percent religion, you see. A religious substitute, come out of it. Leave the one percent, don't say, ah it's not important, just leave it. Till you're one hundred percent just Christ. You say, Well I don't I don't know what it is, then then enjoy the Christ that you do see, and then you'll see you'll see more of him. Enjoy that and you'll see more eventually you come you come out. Okay? No one, I hope no one takes our study today and goes around and preaches this as the gospel. This is not the gospel. This is just help for people who already know and love the Lord and want to realize the situation. You go tell them this and you'll, you might even hinder their becoming believers. You don't lead people to Christ by bashing them over the head with... Uh, Uh, the sins of of religion, okay? That's been going on for you know, centuries. Mm -hmm. Okay, the second thing we need to come out of is we need to come out of of anything and everything that divides the body of Christ and thereby creates confusion. Please don't be in this passive attitude. Oh, well, we're all one, and as long as we, in our heart, are all one, that's no problem, and so forth. Listen, God intended for the world to know that we are one. He didn't intend for them to have to discern it mystically by knowing the insides of every person. That's impossible. There should be a testimony of our oneness. Babylon literally means confusion. Confusion means what? It means there's there's divisions and alienations and separations to the extent that even though you have the same God, the same Christ, the same Spirit, and everything, for some factor, you don't see eye to eye, you're divided. God, God considers that Babylon. You say, well, it's a doctrine. Maybe it is a doctrine, but it's not a, it's not a, uh, it's not a doctrine that is uh, related to whether or not you're a Christian. You see, there are a lot of doctrines in the Bible, and you can b- believe some rightly or believe some wrongly, but you, it still would not affect not only whether you're a Christian, but it might not even affect uh, your growth in life. You see, uh, so a lot of people believe a little off base on some minor doctrines but they're right on base in the experience of Christ you think before the judgment seat the Lord's going to be happy with their experience or with whether they're real accurate on uh, on, on doctrinal matters you see think about it you know, Kevin, you haven't been here too long. You know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, it's a shame for a man to, you know, have long hair. Do you know that? Then it says it's a, it's a shame for women to, uh, you know, to uh, have hair like a man. They're supposed to they're supposed to supposed to their heads supposed to be covered. See, so they have long hair. Right. Okay now. Is your hair is your hair uh it it says it's a shame for a man to have long hair. Is yours too long? I mean how long is long? See. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey Jeffrey, is your hair is your hair too long or not? I I don't
1: know. I think you think it's fun? You think it's
0: fun? You know, when I was in high school, that was when, uh, the, no, junior. I was a kid, a little junior high school. That was when it was real popular to have flat tops. Oh See that's, that, that uh, you know, marine type uh-huh. flat tops. Hair the length that you have right now, uh-huh. and during that those few years, Jeffrey, oh uh-huh. you would have looked spacey, real spacey. <laughs> Now, you see some people, you've seen some men that wear hair about down to the middle. Don't you think they look spacey? Depends on your reference point, doesn't it? Okay. That's the point. Who's to say how long is long? It'd be a lot better to, uh, it'd lot be, it's a lot better to uh, n- not have, uh, we, we can miss a little bit on some things, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, we live before the Lord. But you know, uh, there was quite a bit of de- of debate during New Testament times about what we should eat and what we should drink. You know what Paul said? He said he said eating does not commend us to God. For whether we eat, we're not better, and whether we don't eat are we the worse? So the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. But what? Righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Spirit. That's real. That's that's reality. That's experience. See? So, don't you think Paul knew what he could eat and what he couldn't eat? There is even some teaching in the Bible. He says all things are lawful. Okay, but you know when he when he was put under the gun, when he was say "Paul, give us a, give us something that will really a code." He says, "Forget about it." He says, "Forget it. You're in the wrong realm. You just need righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit." He said, "What you're talking about is not going to." further your relationship to God at all. Okay, this is what I mean. No substitutes. Just we need to focus on Christ Himself. Then no divisions based on what these minor things. No division. See, if we set up a code, okay, sisters, you all need to conform to a certain code of dress and conduct this will be this will be so dead such an insult to the living god so awful on the other hand if we say sisters all of you need to have the rich experience of the divine life of christ and he needs to operate in, in you to conform you to his image don't you think he'll speak to you about your living your dress your speaking and so forth? if he doesn't then we have to say don't say oh i don't i don't i'm not under any i'm under no i have i no longer under bondage you're no—that's right. You're not under bondage. Neither are you in the reality. So, so don't take, don't take that way. Just get into Christ. He'll work things out. Amen. This is this is God's New Testament economy of dispensing Himself to produce uh, the testimony, which is which is Christ expressed through us. Okay. Uh, of course. Divisions, you know, all day I've been talking about like the world church. That was the world church. You know, it, it went in stages. The world church was honed down during the Reformation to the state church, and the state church splintered off into all the denomination churches, and they splintered off into all the different groups and denominations and sects and things like that. You see, it, it, the whole thing. The whole thing is a, is just a is massive system that Paul or Peter or John or no one could foresee was coming. You see, we have to come back to the original biblical foundation that we are one. We are one. The Lord prayed that we would be one. The Bible teaches that we are one. Uh, Even the Lord demands that we express Him in oneness. So we have to come out of anything that would divide us. If we disagree on practices then just swallow them and focus on Christ. If we disagree on, on certain doctrines, uh, if, if you like a certain doctrine, just keep it to yourself and don't push it. Then you'll keep the oneness. Okay? Everything will be fine if we just focus on Christ. Okay? Everything will be fine. Don't push it. That doesn't mean you can't talk about it. But once you sense that there's an issue there, that issue is against God's Well, you have to drop it. You have to get out of that realm. Okay, so come out of any and all divisions. Saints, this includes any names. It is wrong for a born-again believer to assume any name other than the name of the headship of Jesus Christ. Okay. And and tell you the truth, since we grew up in this, this kind of society, this doesn't affect our conscience very much. But the name... Of Jesus is the one designated authoritative name in the universe, mm-hmm. and if you put anything up there to uh, be a part of that name, then this is this this is insulting the person of the Godhead. Okay, the name represents the person; it's not a false name. It represents the reality. Mm-hmm. So don't say I'm a believer in what what kind of a way. Don't say I'm a you know uh, I don't know. I, I was in the Baptist denomination. Okay, I'll speak for myself. It's wrong to say I'm a Baptist. It's wrong. Yeah. What what is this? This means some people don't believe in baptism like I do. Therefore, you see, there's a there's a difference between us. This difference is wrong. Okay, I should I should say nothing. I am a believer. And, and if someone says, "Are you baptized? Yes, I'm baptized." And I would say, "Are you baptized?" And I said, uh, "Not yet." I said. Praise the Lord. It's good to be baptized, but, but since since we don't have much time right now, let's just fellowship about Christ. That's right. That's right. You see, don't let anything be an issue. Let, let, let the Spirit work out all the things. Then, you see, we come out of all entanglements, all names, all the whole thing. Then we just focus on Christ. For growth and for the church. You see, for our own personal situation and for God's desire to have a church, there must not be division. Division is a confusion that Satan is laughing at. And to tell you the truth, the world is laughing at us. They're laughing at believers because it's whole. Oh, what a joke you guys are. I wouldn't become a Christian because I wouldn't even know where to go and where to start. I, don't even, I mean... Why why everybody says everybody else is wrong, then I might walk over here and get into the wrong thing. I just stay home and watch TV. They're laughing at us. Satan's laughing at us. And you see, because why? Because there's confusion. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Nobody trusts anybody. It's just one big religious suspicion. Even you you know other Christians on campus. You meet them sometimes, just, the first thing is is this is a suspicious uh, questioning going on. Well, oh, you're Christian. Well, uh, in what kind of way are you a Christian? Um, you know, you ought to, yeah, you ought to, you ought to jump and say, Praise the Lord. And, but instead, it's, well, I mean, are you sure you're a Christian? Or, you know, are you you know, born in the Spirit or baptized with right. the Holy Ghost Christian? Or what kind of Christian are you? Okay. This is. They're laughing. Satan is having a big joke about all this. See, we have to get out of this realm. Okay. okay then uh, we have to leave we have to leave any system that that involves uh, a clergy and a laity a clergy and a laity, get out of that Okay. what is a clergy? a clergy is official servants of the Lord official this is the official way it it culminated in the papal system where the Pope was so official that that nothing on earth could be more official than that and all the things down, you see Uh, uh, this is a this is a a system that we have to fully come out of okay sure the Roman church is in a clergy laity system and the state churches are in a clergy laity system and to tell you the truth the denominational churches are in a clergy laity -laity system why? because it's it's a speaker with an audience one speaker and all listeners now what's this? and where did this come from? this is not in the New Testament like this only time this was a a speaker audience type setup in the New Testament is when Paul went somewhere to evangelize and there was an audience and so no one else had anything to say so he spoke to the whole audience in the New Testament it's when the believers came together according to 1 Corinthians 14 everyone has something you have this, you have this, we all prophesy and, and you have an expression of Christ right? excuse me Oh, there it
1: is.
0: Can't go on without the nose spray. I know I'm, I know I'm overdosing on this, but I'm just doing it for today. You're supposed to do this every 12 hours, or you get addicted to it. I've been an addict for a long time, you know. Yeah, I gotta have my Signax, or I just, you know, fall apart. Okay, sorry. Okay. Uh, okay. You're not a Latin priest, are you? A Latin priest? You only speak in Latin? No. What if it had? What if you had to speak in Latin and go to uh, all the things to become a Latin priest? Would you want that? Could you do that? No. You You got to be You got to be almost born martyr to want to go through that ordeal. <laughs> Don't you do? My goodness. Okay. No, no. Uh, that That's not appealing to hardly anybody. Only a few people. Okay. But, but think about it. Okay, you know, uh, if you're going to preach, if you're going to preach, this has always been a problem. Do you know during the Reformation back in the days of John Wesley and uh, George Whitfield, and those people, during that time you could not speak the Word of God publicly yeah. unless you did it in, in an ordained building. The building they would not allow it and when John Wesley and George Whitfield started preaching the gospel in England when they had the great revivals uh, you know back during those days in the 18th century they were the ones who, who took the lead to speak in the fields and they would get in some cases several thousand people would yep. come out and they heard the, the word of God preached to them Amen. and so nearly everybody got saved and you know Whitfield did this first he was bold to do this and Wesley said this is I can't believe this and so Wesley went and and looked at it and he saw God's blessing and and so Wesley changed and he began to to preach of course he outlived Whitfield uh, maybe 25 years or so he just rode his horse all over England and stopped and preached to people in the fields and he preached by this way he preached to nearly all of England and the whole country were was revived by Wesley and Whitfield. They just started pre- outdoors people. I mean, can you imagine what the Church of England was saying about these heretics out there? You see? Now, we would think nothing. No one would think anything about doing something like that, but there was a time when that was a major issue. You see, we have to this this is why we have to come out, come out, come out. You see, now today no one cares. We can go we can preach the gospel anywhere, but listen, still, the bottom line is this have we come out of the clergy lady system to the extent that we all feel equally responsible to speak the word of God. We all feel equally responsible if you say so and so has more responsibility then you're still in the system that's right and the leaven is still inside you Mm -hmm. not as much as in other situations but don't say it's not there so don't you can't tell me You, you, you really totally feel this responsibility when you come to any meeting or gathering with believers that you don't feel someone else will bear more responsibility than you. If when this is in your being, you, this means what Babylon is in your being. <laughs> Maybe not in a great way, but in some degree. That's right. That's right. So you have to come out of her. Come out of her. All God's people should should speak. See. Okay, then uh, one thing I would want to mention is to come out of Babylon is to come out of worldly, uh, elaborate setups, worldly, elaborate, sophisticated things to do with religion, services, buildings ornate type things liturgies all kind of things that are so complicated sophisticated worldly elaborate expensive come out of all of that into the what lowly testimony of the lowly Jesus who didn't who didn't care who had no place to lay his head who just was among the people you see in a commonplace way have to come out of that, you see. <laughs> see, the pagan religions thrive. They where they get their impact is from the elaborate, uh, sensational feelings that you get when you go into their elaborate, sensational temples. Do you understand what I'm saying? Someone just gave you a few doctrines about. About uh, Buddha, that's not impressive. But if you walk into some real elaborate temple, you see this gives you a feeling. Wow, this really the the religious flesh uh, gravitates to that. See, this carried over into Christianity. You see, so that uh, our our temples became our cathedrals. Or their temples became our cathedrals. We just changed the name, but you can you can believe that the most elaborate religious places of worship, right or wrong, uh, are in the Roman Church. Nobody can top St. Peter's. Nobody. I mean, this this the place is awesome. It is truly awesome. Okay. You. you, you. I don't think you understand just how awesome it is. It's awesome. Mm. To go in there is to go into a realm. I don't think you could open your mouth. I think everything in your being would say, don't breathe. <laughs> don't, don't breathe. Don't do anything. You're in some kind of realm here. It's, it's spooky. You see? <laughs> okay, you come out of that. But listen, you, you, you know, Protestantism came out of that. But, but it didn't fully come out you see because they still their buildings still were quite elaborate you know the closer you get to the mother you see the Anglican church is very close to the mother the Anglican church in the United States is called the Episcopalian church it's very close it's very ornamental they even wear the same robe I mean the robes are still worn you see uh, and, and so forth uh, the buildings are so elaborate that's why more, mostly richer people go there because it costs so much you see, very elaborate. You've never been to some worship services in some of these places. This this is one thing I, I just feel sorry about my kids, is they've never been to anything religious except us. And they, they just don't realize. They don't realize. Sometimes I've, I've asked them, I said, why don't you go with me, we'll go visit a place I want you to see. And they no, 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 I don't want to go. So... <clears throat> No, I've done this. You may think you may think uh, it sounds stupid, but I, I thought it would be good. <laughs> See, I'd like them to go. To, I'd like them to go to a Catholic uh, mass and and just watch it. I've done this. I, I've I, you know, and I just watched it because uh, I mean, here it is. We have to deal with people who really think that's something. Okay. <laughs> anyway, you go on through and things get. Uh, Uh, less elaborate and less elaborate but I'll tell you the truth you still see the unnecessary uh, trappings of Babylon the Great why do you think most of the denominational things have either a tower next to it with a bell at the top or else a steeple on the top of the building have you ever considered do you know where that comes from just check out towers and steeples and trace them to its source you'll be shocked you see we took the pagan towers and the pagan steeples these steeples were the were the, were the, were the uh, tops of the obelisk from Egypt and in fact in the very middle of St. Peter's Square is the original obelisk the tower that was in Egypt that's right. under the pagan system they brought the very thing and right. put it right there uh, this is very similar isn't the Lincoln Memorial an obelisk doesn't yeah, it perfect. yeah the Lincoln Washington, Memorial if you Washington. in Washington if you don't if you know what don't know what we're talking about an obelisk looks like the Lincoln Memorial the tall Washington, uh, Washington not the Lincoln the, I'm sorry that's Washington. right the Washington Memorial yeah yeah That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. The uh, San Jacinto, the San Jacinto Monument. That's right. I've been out there a bunch of times. You know, it was an obelisk.
1: Texas. (laughs) Right.
0: Those those cowboys were were full of uh, leaven,
1: weren't
0: they? Okay. let me ask you this saints can we come all the way from cathedrals speaking in Latin etc etc having the high mass can we come all the way from that to meet in a home and all of us mutually speak one to another the word of God if you do that then you'll get out of all the leaven then you will have come out of her even you have a meeting hall to meet in, if it, if it looks, quote, churchy, that's 11. That's 11. You know my wife gave me a hard time, you know, in our meeting hall, Neil. That's why people say, what building is this? They don't know what it is. You know, we put this rod on top of the uh, meeting hall front so we could tie a banner on it. Oh, yeah. Remember when we used to have those yeah. big banners? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: yeah. And uh, but the problem was the rain fell down the middle of this uh, iron pipe, so we didn't know what to do. So uh, one of the brothers, you know, remember Donnie Leatherman when yeah. he lived here? Yeah. He went and put a uh, tennis ball on top of the pipe. You're right. Yeah. So it, rain couldn't get in. And uh, I was driving and in, pulling into the meeting hall property one day, and I said, uh, I said, look at that. I talked to my wife. Look at that, dear. What Donnie put on there? Wasn't that smart? She says, I don't like that at all. I said, what's wrong with that? She says, it looks like a steeple. See, there's no way to get that thing down. We welded it on. But we got a steeple there. I don't know what we're going to do about that thing. You see, no one knows it used to be for a banner. I don't think you've even ever seen it. I don't know. But at least it's not an obelisk. You, if, you, if you've ever seen... Listen, I'm not kidding. Nearly all the denominations, they, they go up and then they go to a point. That point is an obelisk. Uh, I don't want to get into the history of it, but it is straight out of paganism. And it will shock you. It will shock you. Then, finally... Oh, man, this is, this has been a marathon today. i am never, ever... Don't ever ask me to get into this subject again. Okay. Okay. Finally, finally, brothers and sisters, we have to come out of everything outward related to Christ and come into the inward experience of Christ. In Babylon the Great, you have all the outward settings, scenery, figures... Statues, pictures, emblems—all of these images are there. You have to drop all those images, mm-hmm. all of them. This really offends the Lord. Don't say it's a small thing. Okay. Listen, I didn't know this. I didn't know this. So, it, to me, when I walked around and I had a Bible and it had pictures of Jesus in it, I was, "Oh, that's a picture of Jesus." You know, I, I the thought that that's an image. Mm-hmm. And that has no resemblance to Christ at all. And even if it did, that I'm not allowed mm-hmm. to have that. Never crossed my mind until someone talked to me about the source. You see. So if you've got any images in your Bible, take a razor blade. And, I mean, that's what I used to do before. we. I just cut them out and throw them. Let's see. Uh, the Lord... It, the Lord is not outward. See? Don't... don't listen, uh, to tell you the truth, the cross as it's portrayed today is absolutely uh, off. It's off. The The sign of the cross is pagan. The sign of the cross is pagan. Most, so many crosses, even even the thing that the Pope wears, his official garment has the sign of the cross all over this little thing that comes over his head that is not <clears throat> the cross looks it's a it's a square cross it's it's like this only it's 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 uh anyways cross right the, it, this cross this cross came from one of these lines up here there were <laughs> They, they have several kinds. There's really there's many different kinds of crosses, and they came from different kinds of religions. Okay, now you see, the cross become the crosses become a, a symbol. It's become a symbol. Okay, no p- people cross. Have you ever? I mean, people do this all the time. They do this when they they're scared, or they want to do something good. No, no. It's famous people, athletes. You know, they they go up, they, they don't want the whole world to see them. They're on TV or something, but they don't want the whole world to see them. So they, you know, I notice how they do it because I, I you know, this this is my bag, right? And so, you know, here, well, here's what they do. You know, all the all the Catholics. You know, most of them are from Latin America, by the way, to do this. You know, they're from Puerto Rico or some place. A lot of cathartic. So they'll reach over in the batter's box to get some dirt. And while they're leaning over, they'll they'll cross their chest right there. Just, you know, no one can see them. They, it, they do it so in one fluid motion. They just lean over in the, and, and do this so no one will see it. You see, this is this is so that they'll do what? They'll have a good at bad. Oh, see, and they even, there's a, you know, there's a difference. Rome does it with two fingers and the Eastern Church, or Orthodox Church, does it with these fingers, I believe, or vice versa, I'm not sure. You know, they, it has to go left, right. Cross yourself. <laughs> okay, what is the cross? The cross is a historical fact, even a, an historical reality that was accomplished by Christ but it, the cross is not our salvation. It's the death of Christ that is Amen. our salvation. Amen. He died upon a cross, that's true. But it wasn't the, the cross that produced the salvation. It was the sacrifice of his death. Okay? So we can say the cross, What if this means to us the place where Christ died for the redemption of mankind, that's right. But if we have some kind of other thought that the cross has some power in and of itself, this is Babylon 11. (laughs) Okay, come out of all the outwardness. Amen. See, Protestantism has come out of a big part of the outwardness, but. The other side of it is it was replaced somewhat by behaviorism that 's outward also see Christians acting like robots behaving doing what 's christian doing what 's right but they 're not living by inner contact with Christ in their spirit. you know what that is that 's not Babylon in its ugly form, but that is Babylon in its subtle form living by behavior instead of by the life of christ now don't don 't anybody say they 're out of this Babylon. This Babylon is still in our blood, right? We're we're act human beings are actors. Before we're anything, we're, we're we're actors and actresses. No, we have to live by the inward reality of Christ as our life. No shortcuts. We have to take this way. Come out of the outward signs, symbols, forms, you name it, and also come out of behaviorism, Mm -hmm. and come into what? The inner experience of Christ as your life, living in you as a real person to express himself through your human life. Mm -hmm. Then you'll be out of Babylon. Are you out? Oh, I am out of (laughs) gas. Okay. Now, uh, here's what we'll do. First of all, uh, let me commend you on your endurance. I have...